there, I'm Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is the most important medicine. If you're a professional who wants to have a greater impact in the lives of children and families by building resilience, this podcast is for you. Join us to become a trauma-informed champion by nurturing connections through relational health to help kids and families thrive. Every time you join me, you'll hear practical information and leave with tangible tools you can use every day. Well, hey, friends, it is September, late September of 2023, if you're listening to this recording, and I just dropped off my daughter to college this week. I should do another episode on that process. There are no parenting books on that for sure. Uh, It turns out there are just no words for like, my heart is full of pride and sadness and joy and excitement and overwhelm all at the same time. So maybe another whole episode on that at some point. Um, Anyway, fall is in the air here in the Pacific Northwest. It started raining, so it's kind of nice to be in my cozy clothes today. Um, On the business front, this week we are launching the Cards for Connection digital product as well as our live in-person trainings. So As of later this week, you should be able to go on my website, www.dramyllc.com, check out the Cards for Connection page. My team has worked so hard, so diligently to bring this product to market. It is an incredible trademarked curriculum where you can go in and get certified on interventions that build resilience at every encounter that you're working with a kid. Um, Whether you're a pediatrician or a mental health provider or a behavioral health provider or a home visitor or an early educator or K-12 educator, if you are a professional that works in the lives of kids and families, Cards for Connection training is going to be available to you now. You can sign up with your organization. I would love to come and do a live in-person training. You can sign up digitally and do it at kind of a learn at your own pace Regardless, you get access to a complete portal with all of the videos and resources and everything. Anyway, I could go on and on about Cards for Connection. It is my life's work. And to see it come to fruition, to be able to help other professionals bridge that gap between knowing what trauma is and knowing what to do about it has been my passion. So yes, that's launching into the world this week. So fingers crossed, wish me luck that our little event that we're hosting on Wednesday night goes really well. Um, By the way, if you're a stakeholder or decision maker, your organization, you want to learn more, feel free. I will send you the invitation to join us on Wednesday night. It's going to be a fun celebration. We're giving away money. I mean, what could be better than that? It's not your money. I get to give away my money and (laughs) to an incredible nonprofit that I really believe in. So anyway, reach out to learn more. So I figured since we're talking about connection as the most important medicine on this podcast, what a better way to start talking about connection in September other than education, right? That's where everybody's headed off to this year, you know, this fall, whether it's into K-12 or preschool or college. So whether you're a teacher or educator yourself, or you educate in other areas like being a home visitor or mental health professional, connection is key. So I wanted to just take a minute and highlight the September topics and guests that we're on. And for those of you that love Cliff Notes, you'll just appreciate this episode so much. You can decide if you want to go back to the episodes then and 
hear the full length episodes, or you can listen to some of these cliff note versions. So we kicked off the month with Carla and Stacy, uh, incredible lifelong friends of mine and veteran teachers. I talked to them for over another hour after we finished recording. Oh my gosh, I could have just talked to them all day. Their experience and um, just tenure in teaching has garnered so much insight into really what makes a connected classroom. But here are some gems that I took away from Carla and Stacy. First of all, creating community is the most important thing you can do in your classroom. There is no learning that's going to happen for kids if they don't first sense belongingness. Who are we as a class? Where do I belong? What's my role? How can I be an expert? So they encourage early and often to invite people in, whether that's a child with special needs in your classroom or parents who may be hesitant um, or other educators to learn about how you do what you do. Invite others in to create that community. I also just love their approach to multi-age learning. And, and by that, I mean, you know, Carla taught in classrooms that were blended classrooms. So she might have a three or four age year gap in her classroom. And I've seen that in practice. You know, my kids went to a very small preschool through eight program. And what I noticed is that, you know, all of the kind of generalizations we make about, you know, teenagers becoming kind of self-focused and difficult to work with and, you know, yeah, well, teenagers, I don't know <laughs> the way to say that. We kind of cast them as these characters who are moody and emotional and difficult to, to be with. But in actuality, um, when we give them purpose and when we have them serve others and when we have them be in community with other people, they actually rise up. And that's the same that's true whether you're 12 or 10 or 5. I really just love the idea of multi-age classrooms because that really creates that sense of community. So even if you're not in a program that offers multi-age learning, maybe you partner with the kindergarten classroom or the fifth grade classroom to really have that sense of mentorship and ownership and accountability. Um, I think Stacy also did a really nice job of pointing out how much trauma there is in schools right now. And I got to say, if you are a professional in any capacity right now working with kids and families, there is so much trauma. The pandemic only heightened trauma and isolation. And gosh, I've told so many people this over the summer, which is like I totally as a healthcare professional understood, understood, excuse me, the need for safety. And I think at some point we valued that over emotional isolation, physical isolation, social isolation. And boy, are we paying the price right now with kids. They are just more complex and more traumatized than I've ever seen them. And all of the compounding stressors are exactly what teachers are facing in the classroom. So really what I heard from both Carla and Stacy was respond with empathy. Get to know your students. Be curious about them. Invest in them as, you know, human beings, not just people who are going to be in a space for eight months or nine months out of the year. So, you know, when I go into classrooms, which I've done for decades now as a consultant, I can tell right away if a teacher has created that classroom culture 
if he or she has valued we versus my rules or your behavior, I see that sense of community played out in so many ways. Because if you've really created this structure of community and belongingness, then when there's misbehavior or problem solving that needs to be happen, happening or difficult friendship issues that inevitably come up despite any age group, you get to go back to this we language. What do we value? What's important in our classroom? What are our shared goals and values? And also, if you've invested in these kids as individuals and created that connection, they also are invested in the relationship with you. They want to do well. They want to make good decisions. They want to maintain positive relationships. That's kids' job to connect and bond and attach. So I just want to reassure you that the business of school will get done, but not without the business of connection, not without meaningful classroom culture and kids who feel safe in your rooms to explore and make mistakes. And so if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to that podcast with Carla and Stacy, dive in. It, it is just such good reminders of how important connection is in classrooms. And then after that, we had this delightful podcast, which I got to say, I still have a little bit of, of PTSD over the editing process it took because it was my little voices podcast. And I was so excited to record this podcast um, really to elevate voices of the people who are most impacted by connection in school, which are kids who are just entering into our education systems. And so I got to interview uh, four little kids, a kindergartner, a first grader, and two second graders, and they are just delights. So take a listen to that podcast. But, you know, one, not one, many things I took from there, this discussion was just how much kids are impacted by kindness. You know, a couple times they mentioned they want to, they're excited to do more math or they're excited to do art or read more. But mostly what I heard from these four little voices was just be kind, uh, stop bullying, be friends and include people. And that teachers who were the most impactful for them were those that made them feel safe and included and taken care of. Not the ones that taught math the best or made sure that kids got the best grades. And, and I get it. I mean, there's so much pressure on teachers to perform and to teach to tests and to look at standards. And yet, I think what I also took when I was hearing from Carla and Stacy is that the more experienced and veteran you get in your position, the more you realize that the only thing that matters first are these little people and nurturing them and developing them. And then the learning will come. And trusting that I recognize feels hard as a younger educator or therapist or teacher in any capacity. But these kids had such beautiful reminders of what it meant to feel safe in classrooms. And it was actually pretty sad and surprising to me that at first and second grade, how keenly aware they were of bullying and the need for kindness. So take a listen to those little voices. Be patient. Um, I certainly gained a lot of empathy for those of you who are educators that had to teach during the pandemic. Oof, just recording for one hour with these kids was a lot of work and energy. Um, well worth it, of course. But for those of you that had to do that for a year and a half of online school, I do not envy you. So anyway, finally, last week, 
Um, if you haven't heard from my friend and colleague, Emily Daniels of the Regulated Classroom yet, take a listen to episode 59, where she tells you all about the science of being safe. And man, Emily is brilliant. <clears throat> and if you want to learn more about the polyvagal system and Dr. Stephen Porges's work, there are lots of links to that that I can provide for you. But Emily has this beautiful ability to decipher and create these actionable tools about how to use that theory in practice in spaces. And so, you know, Emily focuses on education. As you all know, I focus on any professional who's working in the lives of kids to mitigate trauma and build resilience. And so whether it's an educational classroom or a pediatric office or a mental health office, you're creating what I would refer to as a holding space. You are creating this space where safety is necessary before anything else can happen. And Emily does such a beautiful job of breaking this down. First of all, she says, you know, teachers are burned out right now. They've got so much on their plates. And so they have to first regulate themselves. And what she talks about so beautifully is that, you know, just notice what's happening inside of you. Just pay attention to what's going on. And and I think in our performative culture and our culture that really focuses more outwardly and individualistic, we kind of program and get programmed to not pay attention to ourselves, to not pay attention to our own needs. And especially if you're a helper or healer, you're always paying attention to what other people need, except then you lose this big part of regulation, especially for kids who require co-regulation or regulation with you. So Emily does this beautiful job of saying, hey, pay attention to your own body needs first, and then you can pay attention to what your environment is eliciting, what kids in your classroom need, and only then can you help them co-regulate. The other thing I really love about Emily's messaging is just learning to trust our bodies a bit more. And gosh, you know, I think we spend so much time tuning away from our bodies and tuning out that we need to spend a lot more time tuning back in and notice what we're noticing, which is what Emily said so, so beautifully. So, you know, just a, a recap on regulation, right? Regulation is that sense that you feel both physically and emotionally safe. And then you have that felt sense of safety only then can you feel regulated? And so when we think about a teacher entering a classroom who has had a hard day or came out of a hard meeting, um, and he or she walks into a classroom and they're dysregulated, everybody, everybody's nervous system is going to pick up on that. We're all constantly mapping what feels safe right now, including does my teacher feel safe? Does the classroom environment feel safe, both physically and emotionally? So Again and again and again, what you'll hear on this podcast is that adults have to be regulated before kids can be regulated, and then kids can co-regulate with us. So yeah, in, in that order, first ourselves, then with others, and then we can teach others to do that on their own. But without that order, we really don't have anything to go back to. So that's What's happening here in the month of September? If you're just interested in all things connection and education, we've got you. Again, we are launching our big curriculum this week, our certification program called Cards for Connection. I hope you go to the website and check it out, www.dramyllc.com. It really is my life's work. And I hope you dive into these beautiful messages around connection and educational spaces. As we move into next month, you can look forward to discussions on 
kids that are kind of hard to connect with sometimes, whether that be because they've had trauma or disabilities or dysregulation. Um, but, you know, we need to pay attention to um, kids who might not always be straightforward to connect with either because they've gone through something really hard. You know, they have some kind of um, needs that aren't being met, but you're going to hear from one of my great friends and colleagues next month. And you're going to hear from an occupational therapist. And you're also going to hear from a special guest um, the second week of October. And I can't wait to roll that out too, but I'm going to keep it a secret for now. Um, all right, friends. I hope you are enjoying the podcast. I hope this little cliff note version pulled everything together for you in terms of the importance of why connection is the most important medicine. I'll see you next time. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing here, please download my free resource called 10 Guiding Principles to Nurture Connection and Help Children and Families Thrive. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing yours because your humanity will heal others. Bye for now.